I'm Susie Anetta, Editor-in-Chief of Design Anthology. And on this episode of the podcast, I'm chatting with Indonesian designer Alvin Chitruwirjo, who's dialing in from his home in Jakarta. Alvin, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. It's good to be chatting again. Happy to hear from you. <laughs> um, so I wanted to start with uh, a question about Indonesian design. Um, you're based in Indonesia, and I guess it's probably fair mm-hmm. to say that you're an Indonesian designer. Um, maybe mm-hmm. you would correct that. I'm happy to hear your corrections if you have any. Um, but in our recent book, Design in Asia, The New Wave, you said uh, that you wanted to create a new perception of what contemporary Indonesian design is by respecting mm-hmm. its cultural roots but with a progressive spirit. And I wanted to start there because I'm really curious to know what you think contemporary Indonesian design is, how you describe it if it's an aesthetic or if it's maybe Mm -hmm. a spirit or an attitude or something else? Yeah. Well, um, okay, just to answer your question, my passport is still Indonesian. (laughs) So, and and for the time being, there's nothing I can do about that. (laughs) But, but, uh, I mean, all jokes aside, um, uh, just recently in the past year or two, I've been... Uh, in the process of rediscovering myself, I think, um, from a more of a psychological perspective. And I think uh, I'm beginning to be able to um, create connections between who I am or how I think in, and the works that I do. <clears throat> and I think, um, to, to answer your question, uh, there's a lot of things uh, that I really want to try and implement from the way of um, or from the way of thinking into into the work itself, I feel that uh, the, this contemporariness of <clears throat> of design that I've been doing is not just about um, not just mere aesthetics, but it's really about having the liberty to be oneself. So it's like a freedom of way of thinking, and from that freedom in 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 thinking or in creating really opens like a very big door into all kinds of possibilities so one being aesthetic another one is really about how do we want to position ourselves i mean we really don't don't need to follow other um other firm rules like what other countries have been doing or other companies have been doing or other designers have been doing um, <clears throat> there's this sense of uh, freedom in, 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 in terms of uh, how do we want to do it, you know. Uh, we have the material and we have the resources, but the way we want to process it and the way we want to try and communicate that to the, to the audience, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a big, what do you call that, a big space uh, to, to explore on. And that is uh, something that I really want to try and, and 
exercise in a way. So, <clears throat> so um, from the material itself, Hamrakan being one of the main material that I've been working with, um, there is a lot of once you once you break yourself from the from the boundaries of what a rattan furniture should look like or can be like, there's a whole lot of um, other potentials. I mean, you know, and 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 it's not just the piece, but it's more, uh, but it's also about the, the emotional connection or or about the story behind it or or any cultural uh, values or any other added values that can be communicated <clears throat> to the to its users or to the audience or even to people who doesn't really understand or know um, what Indonesia is or what Rattan is or what sort of piece of furniture this is basically so it's a very um, it's a it's a it's a it's an interesting process uh, that I'm really actually enjoying and since I've been stuck at in the city for the, the past eight or nine months now it sort of gives me a, uh, an extra time for me to think and to really contemplate a little bit deeper into this process and that has given me uh, a lot of new ideas as well to to for me to work on that's interesting. I, I really like that you used the word freedom, actually, and I'd like to kind of go back to that for a second mm -hmm. and ask you whether you think that free you think that that freedom comes from design uh, as a contemporary practice in Indonesia is still relatively new. And when I say that, obviously, I recognise that craft and building and and other sort of um, expressions in Indonesia have a very long history and heritage, very rich and very varied. Uh, but design as a contemporary practice is relatively young, so to speak. So do you think that that's where that freedom stems from, that there isn't really necessarily an identity of what Indonesian design might be outside of the country? Or do you think that there is? I think, um, so I've been, I've been reading, um, reading and watching through YouTube videos basically on psychology and I can see that there's a strong relation um, between the way people think, the way uh, let's say governments or countries uh, control or manage their people and there's there there has been um, a lot of um, what do you call that like um, suppressive I would call it cultural suppression that's that's hand, that that has been happening in indonesia since um the 60s and i think that that um way of um controlling the society made uh, a lot of people's mindset into becoming um this a bit stagnant i would say so there has been a lot of fear in in uh, great changes there's a lot of um people always try to avoid certain things that they find um, culturally challenging <clears throat> um, they want to remain uh, as something that they can strongly um, relate with you know in a way <clears throat> so so there have been th th there's there's this big um sense of holding back and that is something that i that I want to challenge because as human beings, you know, we always progress 
and not just be human beings as as part of a living creature basically in this whole planet we always wanted to progress we want to improve things we always wanted to make things better and <clears throat> and and this is something that I personally um, uh, I wouldn't say dislike but something that I really always wanted to challenge um, our our traditional culture actually derived from the previous society right so <clears throat> so and and as the world pro progress I mean we should be thinking about what sort of culture we want to express towards the future you know what sort of new culture cultural values that we want to create so the people of Indonesia in the future can actually relate to so uh, I always question these things I mean why do we why do we always have to stick to our uh, to the values that we have in the past why can't we create new values so we can actually modify or what do you call that <clears throat> correct the trajectory of this culture uh, or identity of Indonesia towards the future um, yeah mm, that's interesting uh, so you you used the word relatable, and um, mm -hmm. you you work quite a bit with Rattan, as do a number of uh, you know, may I say, younger, perhaps even more emerging designers based in Indonesia. And uh, the accessibility to the material will be one of those reasons, I imagine. But we'll we'll get to that more in a minute. But I wonder if I'm I'm curious to know your thought process whether you think Rattan is more relatable to people in Indonesia or even people outside of Indonesia. Is that even a factor in your thought process of working with rattan sometimes i feel that i'm using rattan as a symbol as a as a as a semiotic symbol in a way that that connects me with the country where i'm from because um a lot of people ask me um where are you from and then whenever i mention um i come from indonesia uh it's not um, rare that I get this comment that they feel that I'm not uh, how they would imagine an Indonesian would look like or would sound like or would comment or would think etc etc and then sometimes I also question myself like am I a typical Indonesian uh, Indonesia is as you can see it's very diverse I mean we have a lot of ethnical groups that that for some reason a one of our I mean our president made us into a country <clears throat> so so it's always a questionable identity in a way um, but uh, and and the thing the thing I found about Rattan is that we do happen uh, ge geographically have about 90% of the whole Rattan population in the whole world so I think as the material I can see that that is uh, basically a symbol that can sort of connect us as a country. <clears throat> um, and at the same time, it, it is a material that is strongly related to the way uh, our past society, which is very craft and agricultural driven, is. <clears throat> so um, when people think about um, um, automation um, or artificial intelligence in terms of manufacturing etc etc um, rattan is something that has to be made out of uh, humans hands it cannot be made using 
machines or it would be extremely expensive because it needs a lot of um, three-dimensional movements and maneuvers basically to deal with the material <clears throat> and I feel that that is something um, that 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 is something uh, that holds a lot of value it's just that the way people have been treating it is not really optimizing the the value and I think uh, I can trace that into something that a majority of Indonesian has been thinking I mean they never really maximize the whole value because we're we have an abundance source uh, I mean a lot of natural resources and everything um, but uh, but <clears throat> but uh, sometimes now I use that material as as a as a yeah as a symbol just to identify that you know uh, this comes from Indonesia but but aside from rattan there's so many other materials that I I do explore at the same time well, I'd like to sort of dig a little bit deeper with rattan because I think there is a, quite a common misconception, which I was also, um, you know, under uh, before learning from actually one of your, um, yeah, someone else in the design community in Indonesia sort of put it right quite quickly for me that, I, you know, I think a lot of people assume that it's kind of a bamboo and... Um, and that it's also called wicker. So there's a lot of confusion. So do you want to kind of give us a bit of a, like a, a 101 kind of class on, on what rattan actually is and where it comes from and, and all of those sorts of details? Yeah, so um, uh, compared to bamboo that grows as part of a uh, shoots, so it grows from the ground upwards um, to the sky, basically. Rattan uh, is a vine type of plant, so it grows on the ground. And, and rattan uh, can grow up to 100 meter, basically, in length. And it has a very spiky um, skin uh, as a media to grab um, for nutrition and food and etc. Uh, while, bam while bamboo is not. So bamboo has a hollow inner structure, while rattan is solid. Those are the, the main uh, differences between the, the two material. What uh, people often misperceive is that when rattan still has its skin, it often look, looks a little bit like bamboo because it has uh, the, the, section, the sectional skin. But when uh, when the skin is peeled off, it's completely different. Yeah, I didn't know that it was growing along the ground. And so bamboo is actually technically a grass. What sort of category does rattan fit into? Uh, vine. It's a vine, okay. It's so a vine, yeah. And I think you were the one that actually told me that perhaps there's several hundred different species of yeah, rattan. Apparently yeah, apparently there's uh, about uh, almost 300 different kinds of spe uh, species of rattan where about 20 or 20-something 20 can be used for furniture. Right. While the rest are, are uh, not mm, used in a mass scale. Right, and I think you also said that there were, you know, quite varying degrees of quality, f you know, the, the sort of the much higher quality that yep. would perhaps be exported and then something of lower quality 
that might go to a very big name Swedish big box yeah. furniture retailer whose name we probably don't need to mention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, as the material, I mean, as a material, it, it comes in a wide range of quality and, and a wide range of price as well. So uh, usually the one that, that are very common in, in, in a, let's say, uh, middle to lower type of uh, retail uh, or prices are the one that actually is made out of um, a smaller uh, diameter and those are usually less durable rather than the bigger diameter I mean that's the easiest way to differentiate between the between the plants yeah that's really interesting and I think you mentioned earlier that um, so rattan is native to Indonesia it, it also grows I believe in the Philippines and in small quantities yeah. in Vietnam but I think you alluded to earlier that it was 90% of all rattan actually comes from Indonesia um, but up until I guess Indonesia's somewhat recent history how much of that would you say was actually being exported uh, out of the country and, and not being used or worked with? Would it have been a large portion? So I don't have the real numbers, but I would imagine that the majority of the highest quality is, uh, has been exported out of the country. I've been speaking with um, several, um, they are not farmers, but uh, they are so-called uh, material wholesalers that work with, directly with farmers in um, Sumatra and he's uh, he's been reporting to me um, consistently since the past few years about the real condition um, uh, of those farmers and uh, and there has been a lot of conflict in terms of um, government regulation uh, government uh, protectionism uh, towards their own um, uh, material supplies that made it uh, quite easy and also lucrative for these farmers and these wholesalers to smuggle uh, the material out to the countries and sell it to high-end manufacturers in Europe, America, and so on. While at the same time, our own local uh, manufacturers are having difficulties on sourcing those high-grade or high-quality raw materials because there's not many of them. Whereas I think you were telling me that something had changed somewhat recently, that export of the material, the raw material, has decreased, perhaps significantly. Can you tell us what's changed? I think in the past um, seven or eight years, uh, one of the trade ministers, she banned um, uh, exporting raw materials. Uh, so in favour of trying to stimulate uh, local uh, development. So instead of exporting the raw materials, we should be exporting the end products. But I feel that um, a lot of these regulations or these programs are not uh, properly connected. So, you know, if the government said um, we are not allowed to export the raw materials, but they don't generate a good, um, let's say, research and development facility, or they don't really connect between the <clears throat> manufacturers and the and the retailers or the manufacturers, retailers, designers, and uh, exhibition places and and so on. Then then it um, a lot of these farmers are not uh, people that has a lot of um, 
uh, a, you know, uh, they're not well off. So they will always seek um, instant profits, basically short-term profits. And this is where smuggling does still happen, and and they prefer to do it. And they and they and even the local governments or the local you know people that works in a in a smaller scale of governments in those cities they they work hand in hand with these people because in the end it brings them more money in a short period of time rather than let's say started to uh, start to work with designers developing new products um, it's more it's more of a long-term game right so you're saying there's there's you know like perhaps an italian furniture maker is prepared to spend more on the raw materials than what an indonesian manufacturer would be so there's obviously a huge incentive for them to try and work around the rules and export so but so obviously the local government is trying to stimulate a manufacturing economy is has it been connected at all with design is there i think you were about to perhaps start talking about that has there been any connection with local schools or even say small studios like yourself to connect those dots that it's not just a country producing OEM for other brands that perhaps there is someone stimulating uh, an opportunity to design as well as manufacture in the country. Is that? Do you think that's where it could be, or is there still room? There have been some efforts and initiatives done by the government, um, but it's just that um, um, it's not properly planned yet. And it's not properly uh, managed in a way um, because the creative side is still uh, placed under the economy side. So the way they gauge success is still under the economic parameters, which means whatever makes money is deemed a success. While um, design or creative creativity or creative um, you know, economy is needs um, more effort it takes more time there's a lot of um, innovation uh, resettlement that needs to be invested on and to be supported in the long run strategically and this is something that I feel that the government doesn't really haven't really grasped the idea um, which I think it's a shame because <clears throat> Because Indonesia is known for its natural resources, oil and gas, etc., etc., something that it's really polluting the whole planet. While we have also an abundant um, source of culture, craft, natural materials, and these needs to be to be repositioned as one of our economic strongholds. But it needs a group of people that has big visions. And they, uh, they need to have the capability on executing those visions to make it to become reality in a very strategic way. And I think this is this is what's missing. And this is why uh, our life economy has been stagnant, uh, despite having different kinds of um, government bodies in the past few years. Mm, I, I look. I think that's the problem with politicians everywhere: is that they are far too yep. short-sighted. <laughs> it's it's too risky to be trying to implement long-term plans. But I, yeah, I hear you and I agree. I think there's so much potential. Uh, yeah. Um, 
so I guess if we change the subject from Rattan and, and mm-hmm. um, lack, lack of government support, um, I wanted to talk to you about something perhaps a bit more enjoyable because I know that you were yeah. travelling quite frequently and for extended periods of time, obviously up until yeah. COVID, um, and now being stuck in Jakarta where you weren't spending a lot of time before. I'm wondering if there's a particular place that you're missing more than anywhere else and, you know, where is kind of first or at the top of the list of um, destinations when you're able to travel again? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I mean, I really do um, uh, miss museums, to be honest. Um, a place where I can immerse myself in a three-dimensional space where I can actually feel, touch, see, speak to people, um, look at books, uh, magazines, and and contemplate on things. I have my my rambutan tree in my garden where I can, where it sort of offers me this place for con- contemplation every now and then. Um, <clears throat> which I also enjoy, um, but I do miss um, being in a different setting, um, speaking, listening people, speaking different languages, um, observing people behaving slightly differently or having a, a conversation in a, in a completely different cultural setting. Um, I do miss that. <clears throat> However, um, I, do re- I do enjoy, since this... Uh, COVID happened, there's this sense of that we need to live very differently. And I and it gives me a bit of um, excitement in a way. I mean, pro- perhaps this is probably the, the, the silver lining behind all of this um, tra- tragedy and drama. The fact that, I mean, there's this sense of vulnerability. And but at the same time, we do need to be able to adapt. And we do need to be creative at the same time you know, creative to, to adapt into the situation. If you can't really travel uh, or leave the country, then you have to make do with your garden or, you know, your backyard or or something. And, and, and I've been doing a lot of uh, different kinds of creative projects, <clears throat> self-initiated projects, and it has been, um, it has been um, inspiring my, myself at the same time. So... Um, have you been keeping up with your photography? Yes, I have, yes. I'd love to see yeah. some of the new photos. I've, I've seen yeah. some of your travel photos, but I'd, l- I'd love to see Jakarta through your eyes, actually. I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's quite nice, the fact that uh, you can now distance yourself with a lot of people. So you're living in this, you're living in this 18 million hectic metropolis, metropolis, but now you don't really see them. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually wanted to ask you, uh, because I know that you are such an avid photographer, um, what similarities you see between photography and design? Do you think there are any parallels between the two? Or do you enjoy them perhaps because they're quite Mm. different? Um, Very interesting question, actually. Um, I think there's this sense of uh, pre-visualising something before you make it. Um, that that act of um, exercising your imagination and then try to make that into a reality that is something that's quite similar between the two medium 
there's also a lot of um, emotional and psychological uh, perspective towards it. I mean, an image is an image, but it's the story that you want to tell through that image that sometimes uh, or often gives it value or meaning, right? <clears throat> I mean, sometimes a chair is just a chair. <clears throat> and a certain type of shape was built intentionally like something, then 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 it has a different meaning. Um, and it and it's um, and it's also the idea of um, capturing an idea and freezing it into an object or an image. It's it's um, I don't know. Sometimes it fascinates me because an idea or thinking process is something that it's um, self-perpetuating. So it's not so it's not a something that that uh, stands still <clears throat> while a photograph or even a design once it's once it's finished and then it's built then is that idea frozen in a certain type of moment and then converted into a three-dimensional or an image and yeah that's a good description thank you i'm gonna have to ponder that mm. a little bit mm. <laughs> mm. Well, thanks, yeah. Elvin. As always, it's been such a great pleasure. You know, I, I miss our conversations. Um, it's been really nice to chat, even though, I mean, actually, it's crazy to think that I was actually in Jakarta at the start of this year. That seems like such a long time ago. I hope we can um, have coffee somewhere in, um, in the streets in Milan or something oh, sometime gosh. soon. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I hope so too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> but in the meantime, stay safe and. Um, you too. Yeah, stay sane and creative. Mm -hmm. And uh, yep. we'll speak soon. All right, take care. Thanks, Elvin. Bye.